0: The tiniest player on the team for me is Belly, and it's the way he delivers them for real. It's like, when he delivers his jokes, there's no laugh, and you really can't even tell if he's serious tonight. If we deserve this win, man. Fox force 5, flying high in both teams. Oh, my goodness. I'm feeling great, man. I'm feeling it's the best I've ever felt. I'm excited. I'm, I'm all about winning. I know that the fans here are extremely loyal and passionate, and just like them, I, I want to become not just a playoff team, but a same playoff team and eventually get back to some of that championship success and contention. With the 12th pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, Sacramento Kings select Tyree Halliburton.
1: Imagine being one of those players that's on a team that you know, hasn't been in the playoffs in over a decade, almost two decades, about a decade and a half, then being the first team to actually get to the playoffs. Just being able to be a part of that would definitely be something special. And if we can, you know, end up building a championship in the team, you're winning a championship in Sacramento like that. Since that's looked at a lot differently. You probably feel better than you do with anything else. Welcome back to another episode of the Kings Pulse podcast presented by the Kings Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski on here, as we always do. What's going on, Rich? How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing great. Um, I'm doing really
0: great. I I really actually honestly feel good about how the Kings are playing right
1: now. What about you? Yeah, I I mean, I can't say that I expected them to have, like, a few moments of, like, really promising defense. Um, That's definitely been the most surprising thing for me. And, you know, I mean, uh, I'm preaching defense all the time, so I'm definitely enjoying it.
0: Yeah, and that's it, man. I mean, that's, I think, the entire, that's what I feel good about. Like, they're actually playing good defense for large, large portions of the game. Like, I mean, that I, this is what, on the first podcast we did of this new year, or this new season, rather, I was, like, almost a little confused. I'm like... Was Denver just not shooting the ball well, or were the Kings playing good defense? I couldn't believe my eyes. Um, Because it turns out they are playing good defense. Like, genuinely high effort, good execution, really fun schemes, throwing out a lot of zone here and there. Those backcourt traps that Omer identified in the preseason have come to pass in the regular season. Uh, Switching one to five a lot, like, really. Like they're and they're actually doing it. It's not like they're kind of casually trying to do it and just getting cooked, but they're executing
1: they are, yeah, I think kind of as you're saying there, it's really the the variety to the defense, um yeah, the zones you mentioned, the switching and and it seems like they're really you know, going scheme to scheme based on the talent they have out there, which seems like such a basic idea uh, that any coach should be doing, but I don't think that that was always the case for these previous Sacramento teams. Like, Hassan Whiteside is out there, and it's, you know, obviously drop coverage or a 2-3 zone, and he gets to sit in the middle and is a good rim protector when he gets to do that. And, you know, there's I'm intrigued with this whole Marvin Bagley switching idea. Um, He has a lot of work to do on the defensive end, um, but – it's I'm glad to see him kind of thrown into that sometimes. They were doubling Devin Booker, um and blitzing him specifically in the in the second matchup against Phoenix, the third game of the year, um, to really get him out of a rhythm. And yeah, they're just showing the offense a lot of a lot of variety. Um, three guard lineups with Halliburton Fox and Corey Joseph that those guys are kind of running around and causing havoc and yeah, man, I'm I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying it. And I can't say that I expected it with the roster going into this year.
0: No, I I think a lot of the credit I, – I know, like, everyone wants to remind us that Luke Wald is the head coach, and so he deserves a majority of the credit for the coaching, which is true, I suppose. But it's interesting how much Rex Kalamian's name comes up in post-game stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, everyone is praising him. He is the new defensive coach. I mean, that's his responsibility, is the, is the team's defense. So, um, and he's getting lots of shout outs. Um, you know, Buddy in particular, he, he was asked about his defense and he immediately is like, Look, Rex came in and he's doing a really good job. You know, I'm
1: paraphrasing obviously, but he was quick to praise Rex. Yeah, you, you hear it on the broadcast a bunch, and yeah, the name's coming up a lot for sure as as the guy that kind of implemented a lot of this defense, and, and to touch on Buddy a little bit, because I think part of the team being a good defense is when, um, or at least having moments of being a good defense, you know, we'll still have to see with more games into the season, is that the the guys that struggle on that end really stand out when everyone else seems to kind of be on the same page and and making the proper rotations and buddy was that guy a lot last year and there were still definitely moments have been throughout this year um, but effort has never really been an issue for him on the defensive end of the floor I feel like um you were one to point that out to me I think at some point last year it was just that he looks a little lost sometimes and it seems that you know with a game plan a little bit on the defensive end that he He's actually been a part of like some really good rotations um when when there's a help defense and then everyone just kind of has to scramble to the next guy over like buddy's been a part of that sometimes there's definitely moments where he's still you know getting attacked on that end, but yeah, credit to buddy, he came out and you know I said many times this year that these folks on the defensive end, and I think there's there's some progress
0: i'm gonna. Huh. I don't know. I I kind of disagree with Buddy. I, I think that he's a high effort guy and that shows off in highlights. Like he will he'll get a steal and he'll uh you know, he'll make he'll make hustle plays, right? But I think a lot of it is still gambles and at least half of the time where I feel like the Kings let me down on defense, it's because of a completely wild closeout from Buddy Hield. Like he will just sprint at a shooter and fly into the stands behind them, and then that kind of leaves the rest of the team
1: scrambling. For sure. Yeah, no, that definitely still happens um, throughout the season. And then the other guy that, you know, you you said half the time is Buddy, I feel like the other half is Bagley. Um, Yeah. He looks a little rough out there on defense at times.
0: Yeah, the other half is is Bagley. I think those – I don't know if I want to start, like, on the negative side of things, but – those are the two guys that they just worry me a little bit. I think they make some some silly plays like it's a it's a basketball i q thing for those guys um whereas I feel like everyone else i mean and a little it's it's honestly it's it's buddy and then like all the big men
1: i think like have concerns for me yeah, fair enough but let let's start a little positive let's start a little positive here, and the guy with you know high i q that's making plays on the defensive end and Turned it over once in his, uh, in his 83 minutes of play so far. Rookie Tyrese Halliburton playing closing minutes for some of these games. Um, just, you know, fitting in within the flow of the offense and making plays on defense. Uh, again, three-guard lineups with him, Kojo and Fox. Halliburton, man, I mean, we, I was, we were both really excited. He fell to 12 and, you know, just kind of showing off why. Yeah,
0: no one else in the league. And the entire league has 15 assists and one or zero
1: turnovers. He's the only one. Crazy. At least as of last night. And it's not like he's not, like, you know, passing the ball, like, fairly often. Like, obviously there's those 15 assists to show for it, but, like, he's, he's not just making super basic reads. Like, he's making cross-court passes that, you know, give room for turnovers. Twice
0: he, he, like, got a hustle rebound in the corner and whipped it out to the top of the key for three. Uh, I think one was to Buddy in the first half and then again for Belly in the second half. And, and both of those were made threes. I mean, out of out of really broken plays.
1: Yeah. Um, and, and to touch on Belly really quick, I kind of think that, you know, you, you said it going into the year um, and I'm slowly getting on board with you that, you know, Belly might be a little bit of a uh, – take a step back a little bit this year. And especially if this team is going to take pride on the defensive end of the floor um, and, and, you know, Bagley remains healthy, b minutes seem like they could be, be fallen compared to last year.
0: Yeah, I am not convinced by the big man situation right now. Um, Bagley and Holmes, I think, have a lot of positive merits to them, but I don't think they make a lot of sense together. Early on, like especially when they're they're starting together, obviously, There is some spacing issues, some very real spacing issues to start games. And um, on Twitter, you can see I grabbed a a screen grab of Fox right as he began a drive. And, you know, like in this particular play for whatever, I guess Harrison looked like he was cutting to the basket
1: as well. But there was just five sons in the paint. Yeah, and, you know, it's different if you're working with like a, say, Trey Young, a, a point guard that, obviously, you know, would prefer to be a pull-up shooter, but Fox wants to get downhill, you know? I mean, ideally, you'd have four shooters around De'Aaron Fox if he's the main cog on your offense. Um, so I'm with you there. There are definitely concerns, but luckily, I was worried we weren't going to get it all too much throughout the year. They are running Bagley at the five a, a good bit of times. Um, I don't know if I've felt great about it. Um, like, I don't know, Bagley's, yeah, I don't know, He he's... He's pulling down boards and I don't know, it, it's basic Bagley stuff, you know. Like I, I don't know if I feel that much different about what I've seen from him, even though I've liked the minutes at the five. Like the intriguing thing for me right now with him is probably seeing how this how the switching on the defensive end holds up for him.
0: Yeah, you said it. it's basic bagley stuff. We are seeing like standard the standard bagley. That's what we're getting. I've left Joe Hooks a game. Every night. Um yeah, I mean, and, and, uh, yeah, I guess, is he meeting or exceeding or failing to meet your expectations of him early on?
1: He's just meeting him. Like, this is just, yeah, it's kind of standard.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, the shooting splits are not great. I don't know if you noticed this, uh, but 39% from the field, 14% from three, 54% from the free-throw line, 39, the old classic,
1: 39, 14, 54. Damn. No, did not realize uh, that that was the numbers. And, yeah, with that's on 12 points a game and just a bit under uh, 10 rebounds there as well. Yeah, I don't know. And it's like there's, like, Frank Kaminsky's guarding him at times, and it's like, dude, take advantage of this. Or, like, Jay Crowder was his primary assignment, right, for both of these Phoenix games. And I'm like, man, why? There's like moments he's fading away over a post up against Jay Crowder. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? You have like five inches on this guy.
0: Well, honestly, part of it is that Aiton gets to float around, uh, you know, in the under the basket because he's playing the four. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, if he's playing the five, I feel like he's matched up on a five, and yeah, that guy is better equipped to guard him. But then there isn't a another even better defender, post defender backing him up you know
1: yeah yeah good point but then there's also moments uh I just finished my rewatch of the game the game from last night um yeah like Kaminsky is his primary assignment and you know uh Phoenix is switching and I I believe he had he had Booker on him and he just keeps backing up with his dribble it's like dude you're going the wrong direction like I I think just strength is going to do a lot for Bagley when that comes around for him yeah he's
0: not playing well um I'll say that I think that he would, you know, pretty much be happy to say that as well. Like he's – he, I think from what I've gathered from him and from his teammates commenting on his game is that, you know, it's a it's a decent start, but he's not playing up to his own level, his own standards for himself. You know, that's what Fox said. He's like, you know, I, I think he would probably tell you that he isn't playing as well as he wants to or expects to. So he's, it's not like he's having this crazy – Good start to his season, but obviously, I mean, I think it's almost been a full year since he's been on the court. Um, well. I think it's been, at like, a, a legit 11 months because he went out before the shutdown. Like, it was, it was well before that, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're right. And, uh, you know, one aspect of this lineup with Holmes and Bagley is – uh, James Hamm pointed this out in an article that, you know, they, they rebound the ball extremely well. And this is always, you know, we said pretty early on, like Bagley is probably going to be one of the best offensive rebounders in the league um, pretty early in his career and hold up with that. And, yeah, when you're running both those guys out there, while the spacing can be in a little bit of an issue, uh definitely pulling down boards, man. In, in game one, they out-rebounded Denver 66-53, 13 difference there. Game two against Phoenix 67-50. to Um, 17 difference, pretty crazy. And then, yeah, game three, uh, more even for sure, 49 for Sacramento and 47 for Phoenix. But, I don't know, it's a little bit of an – that's definitely something that you would expect with running that big lineup out there.
0: Yeah, um, and you should. If you're starting two centers, you probably should rebound pretty well. Um, I'll I'll say, like, you know, another aspect of this is that the the Kings are – dead last in the entire league on three point attempts per game. So, you know, that's another that's another aspect of it. If you're going to start two centers that don't shoot a ton and then you're going to have your kind of your your first big man off the bench be a, a total
1: non-shooter. Yeah. I mean, that's a part of it. Right. Uh B-Elita minutes going down, I think are are part of that as well. Um and it's funny because wasn't there there was a preseason game where they got up a stupid amount of threes, right?
0: Well, that's why I believe this team should start Kyle Guy and Jamis Ramsey and uh, all these dudes. No, I don't believe that. But yes. Yeah. Um, and, and you good, know... Good shooting bench. It's a good shooting bench. Like, especially the deep bench.
1: Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball and Basketball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24 7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven time NBA champion, we'll go with six time NBA champion, Robert Ory. See what they had to say and what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. You know, we got to obviously mention Darren Fox here. I think that in the second game, the first one against Phoenix, there was like a fire to him for a little while against Booker when you kind of saw them get those double tees. And he really had like a a star performance in that second game. Um, And one of the things that stood out to me the most that was kind of different than what you were used to was – Like, when he got fired up with Booker, there was some on-ball defense of, like, I always thought that Fox should be able to get through screens really well with his quickness and just kind of getting thin and, you know, getting your shoulder past the guy. But he's never really been that great at it. But there were moments where he was on-ball at the point of attack guarding Booker in that, I want to say, late third, early fourth quarter of the second Phoenix game that was just, like, great defense from him. No, dude, definitely, definitely. Um, The two games kind of blending
0: up. together a little bit in my mind considering they were one after the other against the same team in the same place, which is going to be a strange thing that happens all year. But uh, that was a standout game for sure, and I don't think we mentioned it, but just to get that out there, the Kings won on Saturday 106-103, and then they lost on Sunday 100-116. to But, yeah, no, absolutely in that second game um, – Fox made some plays that I think that was the, uh, the the chase down block was in Denver. A lot of stuff's going on. But he's making, like, not only highlight real plays, but he's also, like, getting in his stance and, and putting in real effort. It's not, you know, one thing that happens with guys like Devin Booker, for example, they become such a high usage player on offense that – they just can't give full effort on defense. But I don't think that's what's really happening with the Kings right now. I mean, Buddy Heald's taking a ton of shots. Uh, Marvin Bagley's taking a ton of shots. Harrison Barnes is actually taking a lot of shots early on here. So Fox isn't like a 30% usage guy right now.
1: Yeah, you and know, I think it's easier to kind of push yourself when you see the rest of the guys on the team around you also really you know, succeeding on that end of the floor.
0: Yeah, it, it, and it should be. I mean, yeah, that's that's a fair point as well. I think that Rex has all these guys bought into the defense.
1: Yeah. Um. And, yeah, I, I want to – what other positives do you have? I want to talk about turnovers for a little bit, but if you have any other positives to throw out here.
0: No, go ahead. Get into that, and we'll, there's a lot of positives to talk about, but I think we can – our uh, listeners aren't, like – they don't need to be spoon-fed all the good stuff at the, at the top. I yeah. think, honestly, the, the, the negative
1: is more interesting right now because generally there is more positive stuff. Yeah. Oh, you know, I did want to say one other thing about Fox, and this is just, you know, notes for now. I'm going to have to keep tabs on, obviously, early in the year. I think that he's more patient in, in the half court. He's You know, he has more speeds to him, it seems, um, and I feel like his handle... Is a little lower, and there's just like a little more creativity to me. Um, from an outside point of view, it almost looks like you know the game has slowed down a little bit for him yet again. Um, but obviously, got to kind of keep tabs on that, and a little too early to tell.
0: Tell, tell me about these
1: uh, turnovers. So, first, first uh, Phoenix game, right? I think Sacramento ends up going up. Um, I forget exactly what it was, but they had a really good lead early in the first, um, something along the lines of like 12 to 2, right? And then in the first quarter, um, there's four turnovers just extremely quickly right after they get that lead. In 94 seconds, there's three Holmes turnovers. Um, Two of them are illegal screens. Another one is just like a kind of failed dribble handoff between him and Fox, Um, and you know, that's that that's a good lead that all of a sudden is, is about cut in half. Um, and then again in um, game three, the most recent one against Phoenix, this is where I thought the game kind of went to crap in the third quarter. They had seven turnovers in the third quarter. Um, Sacramento as a team at the half, they only had five. Um, and then they come out and have seven in the third quarter. And within the last two minutes of the game, with two minutes remaining, it's 78-81, a three-point game in favor of Phoenix. With a minute 50, Fox draws a, uh, has a charge. That's his fourth foul, which, you know, ends up being a very big deal, obviously, with the whole Fox foul situation. Minute and a half left, uh, Corey Joseph, Buddy Heald, dribble handoff that just doesn't doesn't go well, ends up throwing the ball out of bounds. Nine seconds left, Buddy healed gets stripped. And then, you know, one second uh, left, obviously, there's that crucial fifth foul that, you know, Fox probably shouldn't have subbed back in for um, on that little moving screen dribble handoff, and that's a 9-0 run to close the third quarter for Phoenix. And all of a sudden, you know, you're losing 78 to 90 just because of a little run to close the third quarter, and it, it, it felt like Sacramento never really recovered. Um, there, I, I believe it was Christy that mentioned it on the broadcast, but someone said that there was more of an emphasis on illegal screens this year. And that definitely seems to be the case. Like Bagley and Holmes are getting called for that a lot. I've seen a lot of dribble handoffs getting called. Um, So maybe there's just – Jokic got
0: one like in the crunch time of that that game. game. Yeah,
1: Boston always does this this seal that's getting called all the time now. Um, So that seems to be a little bit of an emphasis. And, you know, maybe it's just going to be some players getting used to that and it's up throughout the league. But in back-to-back games, I felt like there were spurts of, you know, four or five turnovers within three minutes that changes the tide.
0: Yeah, I mean, that you're definitely right on about that. Luke Walden in the pre, in the post game mentioned that you know, there's there's going to be breakdowns. Like he feels really good about how the Kings are staying engaged and staying, uh, you know, basically are are locked in. But there's going to be lapses in concentration, um, and he says that happens for every team. It's just about how often it happens, and uh, you know, and I think those are what he's those little those little periods right there are what he's referring to.
1: Right, it's a game of runs, you know, and I, those stood out to me. And I'm sure there's also moments where opposing teams had somewhat similar runs, maybe not as bad. And yeah, it, it's a streaky game, you know. So it, it happens for sure, but just something that hopefully isn't uh, a trend that keeps up or anything moving into the future.
0: Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I think it will. Like, I, I still think it's a young team. I still think it is, um, you know, a team that is—I don't know. Just I hate to say it, but like, they, they just don't have a ton of elite players right now. So I don't—they don't have Chris Paul on their team. You know, like Chris they Paul. They don't is even gonna, have playmakers. You know, Chris Paul is gonna like. He's never not locked in. He, you know what I mean. And he's constantly. It was actually a lot of fun watching him for two games, just basically manipulate the refs the way that he does. It's so brilliant. The way that he draws bullshit fouls is it's incredible. And it
1: matters because you know, there's one specifically I can think of. Fox had four fouls, or, or sorry, three fouls by the way, mm-hmm. in that. Uh, in that third quarter, and the first one is just one of those cheesy, you know, dribbling up the floor and kind of just, just throws himself it. into Fox. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It's it's a it's a it's magic the way that he works. That is there a, a more hateable player in the NBA? Honestly,
1: hmm. There's probably some, but no, I mean CP seems pretty universally. He is just such a such an irritant, you know? Yeah. You know, and I really felt like with with all the switching that Sacramento was doing that at any point in that uh, most recent game that Booker or Chris Paul were just going to start, like, pulling it. You know, at halftime, neither one of them had attempted a three, and I wasn't really sure why when you have Bagley and Holmes switching onto you. Um, and then it felt like, you know, CP specifically, it really felt like he was trying to, and you heard him say this after the first matchup that you know, uh, he needed to take advantage of the switches better and and get the ball to his big men, and it felt like he's really trying to kind of learn where everybody else on the floor likes their spots, um, and as, you know, a primary playmaker, and really trying to get eight in the ball in some of those mismatches, but I thought that if he really wanted to, he probably could have been taken over this game um, with scoring himself, and then, yeah, that that third quarter, I was surprised. um, There was a lot of blitzing of Devin Booker, and, and even doubling him, and, in the first half, and then it kind of felt like they went away from that in the third Sacramento, um, which was a little surprising to me, and that's kind of where Booker caught fire or even just came alive at all because the first half was kind of all their role players really just, just hitting threes. It, it felt like
0: eventually the Cam Johnsons and Mikhail Bridges of the world were punishing them uh, with open shot char- you know, like not open-open, but, they were getting better looks, and I think at a certain point it became oh, like these guys are just going to hit anything. So they maybe had to go away from that. But but you're right. I mean, and and speaking of Booker and Chris Paul, and going back to the Denver game, I think MPJ did this a little bit as well. I just don't think the Kings have a guy that could just hit shots from wherever. Those guys can they can score from anywhere on the court and they really moments and just shoot it from the mid-range, shoot it from three, get to the basket. I don't know that the Kings have a guy that can score on all three levels and that's, I think that's going to be a real impediment for this team going forward.
1: Well, he's just sitting on the bench, you know, 43rd pick, just waiting. Yeah, Robert Woodard. Oh, wait. Jemias Ramsey, how dare you? Sorry, yeah. How dare you?
0: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, honestly, it's the closest thing we've got, probably.
1: (laughs) I don't know, like Fox might be like it's the three ball that he's obviously missing,
0: um, and he's still everyone's going under on him still, yeah, and he's he's not pulling it, so like that to me, you I go don't under he, I, I and don't, he, I think he has pulled it more more, but not enough, like I watch him accept his defender going under the screen on him, yeah. I don't know, twenty times so far, and he he generally just looks to drive kind of the opposite way. Like, still use the pick and drive off of it. um, Yeah. But, yeah, no, like, I mean, MPJ is not going to let you go under him on him. Uh, just, you know, Harrison Barnes might be the most well-rounded guy, actually. Harrison Barnes, who has not hit a three this season? Wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I have noticed that because he is clinical finishing so far. Like, he, I think at the rim or on twos in general, I think he's shooting, like, 70%. Um, but he has not – let me double check in case something. Yeah, no, he has not hit a three. He's like 0 for 6 from three this year.
1: Crazy. Crazy. I did not realize. Um, you know, the the team has been good about getting to the free throw line. I'll, I'll say, though, um, in the in the Denver game, and this was also pointed out by James Hamm in that piece, um, 31 free throw attempts and knocked down 77% of them in the first Phoenix game. Uh, 33 free throw attempts, and and then in the most recent one, 25 free throw attempts. You know they have the personnel to do it, especially when you're talking Bagley Fox. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, nice that there's like that they're aggressive in in getting to the rim, and you know these these two big lineups are part of the reason that there's less shooting, but there's more physicality um, and aggressiveness in in driving the lanes and just drawing contact. It feels like.
0: Yeah, they are taking the fourth most free throws on average of any team in the league. I really would not have believed you if you told me they would be taking the fourth most free throws and the least number of threes.
1: And those will, like, especially the threes, there's no way they sit at the least threes, right?
0: I mean, probably not, but, like, I think that's... bottom bottom uh, five? No way, right? I think it's a very real indicator of their style right now. Like, I, I don't... I, and their pace, they're like 21st in pace. I don't. I think that we were once again hoodwinked into thinking we're going to run fast and shoot threes. I don't think that's the way this team is playing. They're going to grind it out on defense and they're going to get to the rim, get to the free throw line. It's kind of an old school approach. They're going to play two big men uh, in the starting lineup that can't shoot. It's an old. This is an old school style of basketball that they're playing.
1: Yeah. As long as you and, still. And run. I mean, it's
0: working. Like I'm not. I'm not. I'm not it. I'm just saying. It is not, this is not your, this is not your Dave Yeager Kings.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. Um, and obviously there's still a lot of changes that I'm sure will be made, and maybe, you know, these are just a couple outlier games and we see things change. Um, but, yeah, I mean, with the personnel they're rolling out, it, it definitely makes sense. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, I don't know, what else, what else do you want to touch on here?
0: Um, let's see. I haven't
1: loved Glenn Robinson. There was a lot of people in preseason saying that they felt like he was, like, over-aggressive on the offensive end, and I was uh, hesitant to say that, but I'm kind of starting to come around.
0: Um, worst night rating on the team. Wow. By a lot. Worst offensive rating on the team when he's out there by a lot. Um, I mean, I don't think it's playing bad though. It's just net rating. Yep. almost you almost can't pay attention to the net rating with this
1: this sample size. Just counting down for those to be Daquan Jeffrey minutes.
0: Except for the Jamias the net rating, which is 83.3 plus 83.3. Very so telling. Defensive rating with Jamias on the floor, 33. Let's go! Wow.
1: Let's yeah. go. Just yeah, put him on the all defensive team now. Um. All of-
0: yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of other players that I.
1: What about to... Whiteside?
0: Okay. Um, I, like I said before, I don't have much more to say about him. I said it in the last episode. It's really nice to have a player that can block shots because I really don't think that the Kings have had a player even like close to average at shot blocking for years, literally years. So it's really nice to have that. Um, you know, I, I, and that's about as far as I. Can go Like, I don't think he's I, – I think, you know, that that's his strength and he has some pretty obvious weaknesses as well. But it's nice to have a player with that strength because it just has not – you know, Monty McNair talked about getting guys – getting all the tools that he can for Walton to use as he pleases or as he decides he needs to utilize them. If he wanted to play a lineup with a shot blocker in it, he straight up could not have done that. in in, in last year, you know, last year's team. So at least he has that opportunity. and I think
1: it
0: it could look pretty good um, if you want to go four shooters and wide side. I think like those lineups could be valuable if, you know, in small doses and these in the right way.
1: Yeah. I've liked him a little more than expected. Um, Not too much, but I think a lot of times he's been allowed to just sit in a a two, three zone at the middle. and. Yeah, no, there were moments of, like, actually good timing. And, of course, there's also times of uh, just why are you there positioning-wise? Like, I still don't think Sacramento has a starting center on their roster, um, a starting caliber center, you know? Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I've definitely enjoyed his rim protection more than I thought I would, but that's really, like you're saying, the the only thing you're getting from him. I guess they're, you know, he's doing a little bit of a Willie Colley-Stein impression with some of these occasional <laughs> passes and i think he had like a jump shot in the middle of a phoenix uh run last night i audibly was I believe, what the hell are you doing right now but he knocked it down i guess not as he had, cute, a, not he as had cute, a nice
0: but. assist i think it was saturday to uh i forget who it was, it was on a so backdoor funny. cut but he like actually he had threw a nice it then looked out. away
1: yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. Funny.
0: yeah. so funny so funny
1: 2020 has complicated most things in the world, including making hires. It's reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is crucial and indeed is here to help. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. It's the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site. helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. And unlike these other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account at any time no long-term contracts. Now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply.
0: Uh, Um, I mean, we talked, we touched on Holmes, but are you concerned at all? Because I, so he had that, he he had the uh, really nice show at the end of the second game, Um, or in other words, the first game against Phoenix kind of helped clinch that that win but I think for the most part he's been kind of lost in the mix because he's not the only big man on the court like almost
1: ever yeah I mean I think he was like featured last year and that's just not really gonna happen this season as often um and I think that's kind of why we saw him break out a little bit like I mean he was you know at times one of the best offensive options was getting him in a pick-and-roll. Um, and, yeah, that's just not what Sacramento's going to be going to. So I definitely don't feel um, like the same Holmes as last year, but I think it's just a different role for him this year with – I mean, primarily with Bagley being next to him.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm just worried he's going to get lost as well. Like,
1: Yeah, I, I totally could see that.
0: I'm worried about the big man rotation in general. I I feel like they're all – a little bit, it's a little bit overcrowded. Um, I don't know how you get Bagley and Holmes and Whiteside all utilized properly and be Elisa as well.
1: Yeah. I will say I, I, um, I, I'm glad we've seen Bagley as center. Like, I was definitely very worried that, you know, the, the Whiteside signing specifically was like, Okay, are we really going to see him at the five or or how often are we really going to see it? And, you know, we we talked about, you know, a potential minutes promise to Whiteside or uh, Glenn Robinson. And both of those guys like haven't been on the floor for, you know, too ridiculous of amount of times. Like I think there was at the start of the fourth quarter for one of the Phoenix games, like Sacramento rolled out their young lineup in, in really important minutes that had Halliburton and Bagley both out there with Bagley at the five. Wait, what's their young lineup? Well, I just mean, you know, you have Bagley at the five, and then Halliburton's playing out there as well. Um, I, and it, see, it I don't Fox think – I'm
0: pushing back on that. I, anyone who's saying, like, they're playing young or, like, they have a mandate from Monty McNair to play young and play their kids and stuff like that, I'm pushing back on that completely. Like, Bagley is just, the, is just better than Hassan Whiteside, and Tyrese Halliburton is just better than – Everyone on this team, not in De'Aaron Fox, it's it's got nothing to do with their age, in my opinion.
1: That's fair enough. That that's that's fair enough. Um, I'm mainly just saying, you know, I'm glad to, yeah, to see those guys playing over them as the, as they should.
0: I think, yeah, there's the Corey Joseph, 23 minutes a night, Robinson, 16 minutes a night, Whiteside, 15 minutes a night, Bealito, 14 minutes a night. Yeah, Th- you know, these aren't young guys. Right. And they're not like really anyone that we would confuse as starter level guys either. The back half of this rotation is mostly old guys that don't have a lot of
1: upside. Yeah. Yeah. Um definitely with you. Uh what other notes you got here?
0: Uh I'm I'm pretty much fresh out. I we could we could we I think we've We've kind of glowed over Halliburton enough. Um, we've gotten our concerns about Bagley out there enough. Um,
1: I think we may have touched on everyone except for Joseph. Yeah, which, you know, I think that lineups with him and Fox you didn't see very often last year, and this year you're even getting lineups with him, Fox, and Halliburton, and that takes the ball out of his hands on the offensive end of the floor and makes him like feel a lot less frustrating on that end. Um and obviously we know what he brings on the defensive end and you I, I think worded it on a recent episode that you know he's a good cog on a good defense and if Sacramento's gonna be a good defense, um well, or a you know, average defense even like that that makes Corey Joseph feel more important.
0: Yeah. He's um he's looking pretty passable. I it's it's that group though yeah. Joseph and Whiteside I think that they have real skills, but I think they they got to go. I think that it, you know there's not going to be trades for a while now. That the, the season just started, no one's looking for trades right now. But if this team moves on from Joseph and it's I don't think they're going to really lose that much. And uh, yeah, I mean I mean the Kings have to look that way if they're if they are looking towards the future
1: at all. Yeah, for sure. I think that, you know, if you were talking short-sighted and the impact it would have on this year, like Kojo's the one that I think of for sure more so than Whiteside, um, especially if you're kind of focusing on the defensive end. If you're Did I say Whiteside or did I say Bielitsa? Oh, I'm sorry. I think you said Bielitsa. Okay. Is, was, is that who it thinking. was I meant to say Bielitsa if I said Whiteside. Got it. Got it. Um, Yeah, but I think that, you know, if you're – replacing Kojo's minutes with Kyle Guy. um, You're definitely losing a whole lot on the defensive end of the floor. I would do it, but, uh, yeah, if you're talking, you know, short-term in this season.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, and there's also, there's, if you don't, if you're not comfortable with Kyle Guy, you can, like, sign. There's still point guard options out there that I think yeah. can give you pretty close to, like, okay defense. Like, I think you could probably find, like, a Glenn Robinson Type of player at point guard, or you know something like that. Mm-hmm. I forget. Did and and guys are, are a bunch of guys just got kind of cut. I should probably do that. I should probably look through remaining free agents. But I mean, hey, maybe we can steal uh, Jeremy Lin from the uh, G League Ignite team. There you go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you feel any different about this season after these games? I do. I feel better. In terms of
0: wins and losses, I think that this team is playing. I would say at least, I think, uh, yeah, I would say this team is playing league average defense when they've been a bottom five defensive team since I started covering them, whatever, three years ago. So, yeah, I I, I think that, uh, I think that's real, real improvement. Um And I don't think that like their offense is really clicking yet, and if it ever does get clicking, then I think that is a team you know I put their chances at making the playoff plan game at like thirty three percent like a third um and i and I think that I think I feel good about that. I think that it could even go up to forty or even fifty percent if their offense starts clicking, and that probably means sorting out the
1: uh big man rotation, yeah. And yeah, I mean, uh, an average defense or just the defensive end of the floor is where you're able to be consistent on a night-to-night basis. You know, shots will fall or they won't uh, for you on on offense, but you can bring that same defense every single night. And yeah, hopefully we we kind of see that from from Sacramento. And yeah, um, you know, Golden State obviously struggling a little bit. They got they got guys they got to get back, but. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, definitely could be a play-in team. Um, I, I wouldn't bet on it at this point, but I, I do feel a little bit better record-wise than I did um, to before this year had kicked off.
0: Yeah. Do you still think they're going to be like a what, – what did you have them at? Uh, like a bottom six team?
1: Yeah, I think I had them sitting fifth. I had them at 13th in the West. Might, I mean, if they're moving up, it's not much. It's like the twelve in the West. You know, it's like the eighth worst team now. Interesting. Interesting. Chance of the playoffs? At the play-in? Um, yeah,
0: because, again, two-thirds of the NBA is getting into the play-in, which I yeah. think is ridiculous. But
1: anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, it's just the 10 seed. Like, I don't know, 40, 45%. That's high, 40%. Let's go with that. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll see. You know, I I didn't realize the next game on the schedule, playing Denver again. Yeah. Um,
0: And then two games against the Rockets?
1: Yeah. 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 um, Any minutes of Bagley guarding Jokic aren't going to be fun like they weren't in the first one. Um, I'd expect Jamal Murray to have a little bit more force to him um, in this one. And, yeah, we'll we'll see how this this next one goes on, on Tuesday night. Yes, sir. All right. Well, thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the King's Pulse podcast. If you ever want to reach out to us, you can do so at, uh, you know, our our Twitters, obviously, but then we also have a sticky thread always at the top of the King's subreddit. You could comment on, and any questions we'll get in there, we'll do our best to touch on um, recommendations, anything like that, and obviously, we have written work along with a lot of Good friends of ours at The King's Herald, and you can go support them by checking out the Patreon that they have. And if you enjoyed this episode of The King's Pulse podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review, and you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days here.